0: he was just kind of in this rut. And as we got together and he started to see what I brought in terms of like entrepreneurship and always thinking outside of the box, he started to dream again. And I think that's the thing about entrepreneurship is it's contagious.
1: And now coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California, it's the world famous Chris and Christine show. Hey, what's happened everybody? How are you guys doing today out there? I am Chris.
0: And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 59 of the Chris and Christine Show. Well,
1: that is a great old fantastic. And thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate this.
0: Yes, we definitely do. And we have a fantastic show lined up for you this week. But before we hop into it, let's find out what's been happening in our lives. So, Chris, you want to start us off?
1: Well, this week, I... Well... It's been great this for this week. We've been back in the house, no more hotel. The house disaster of 2020 is pretty much wrapped up. I do believe the contractors finished up the little nooks they had to take care of. And it's all done. And now we move on to payment, which is paying off all the contractors, these big old fat checks. They're like jumbo size. They're like like—they're like the ones you win when you get the lottery <laughs> and you hold them. They're like the size of a big cardboard sign. That's the checks I order. I only order those ones, by the way.
0: Yep. The and, big- you, and you mail them, put a big <laughs> stamp on them, and you say, here, Mr. Postman.
1: Take this to the next guy. Yeah. So we did that. up, paid, paid everybody off. And now next thing is we got to focus on the wedding the stuff.
0: The wedding
1: Yes. Oh, and by the way, I did pass my DMV uh, test. The DMV, I had to get my hazmat when I upgraded my license.
0: Yeah, that was like two weeks ago, right? We talked about that.
1: Um, no, I don't think we told everybody that I actually passed oh, okay. I passed the test the first try, by the way. Yes. But I was getting so worried because there was a, a few questions that I didn't recognize and I missed. And then I was getting sort of worried. It's the hazmat test, because I'm a dryer, tanker gasoline tanker driver for and work. hazmat
0: is for hazardous materials, in case you don't know that.
1: That is correct. And every time I renew my um, commercial driver's license, I have to retake the hazmat test each and every time. So what you do... It's like once
0: every five, five years, right? Yes,
1: every five years you have to renew that. So I just basically have to just take the test, study, um, and pass the test. It's all done on the computer now. So it lets you know whether or not you, you have passed or did not pass.
0: Yeah, well, I'm super proud of you and I'm excited that that happened and you passed it and then uh we got a little envelope from the dmv in the mail last night right
1: my driver's license it's all brand new and shiny and it's all it's know. the real
0: id too right
1: yeah somehow they embedded them together when i went to the dmv to actually get it done they asked you are you going to be traveling are you going to use this as your id i said yeah so do you want to sign up for the real id too and i said i guess is it costing no it's all free they're going to embed it it's all part of the same license so it's you don't care have to carry two different things i guess it's all in one maybe they scan it i don't know
0: i don't know but that sounds pretty cool i still need to go get my real id i think they might have extended the deadline because of covid stuff but i definitely need to get that because it's going to be necessary for travel starting in 2021 i think so
1: is this the one that i need to get on an airplane or something else
0: uh yeah well it's like Starting in a year or within the year, you have to have the real ID to be able to board a plane, um, which that's crazy. That's like all these people that are off cycle are going to have to go renew their licenses or get a new ID. It's just a mess. And then I don't know if we're renewing every four or five years, then everybody's going to be going back and renewing at the same time and I don't know.
1: But I just see some of the DMV website that you can, at least here in California, you can go on the website and just actually just apply online. But the rules are you cannot have any like tickets or accidents or anything like that pending. And if you do, then you can just click, click, and then they should just send you another one out.
0: Well, I'm screwed. What? Yep.
1: Why is that, babe?
0: Well, because somebody ran into me last year when I was driving the Camaro, and it was reported to CHP because it was a hit and run. It wasn't my fault. But then I also may or may not in the last 18 to 24 months have had one or more speeding tickets. And what? we've talked about that on previous episodes. We're not going to bring up my dirty laundry right now, I which know. is why Chris and I stay on separate insurance.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's the key. Keep it separate, keep it cheap. At least for me anyways. I'm
0: benefiting from He's that. like, I'm not taking you a baggage, girl.
1: <laughs> yeah, but when the kids get their licenses, I mean, a whole different story. I heard you got to put them on their insurance. And I heard that, I hear that when a kid is in the same house as you that they legally have to be insured on every vehicle at the property. Including the Z sports car. So a 16-year-old on the sports car, even if they don't drive it.
0: No, that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. I'm going to find
1: out if that's actually true or not. There's got to
0: be some different classification.
1: Yeah, because when I grew up, it was only the car that I drove was what I was insured on.
0: Like, I wish they had like a fingerprint ID type of thing where it's like you have to like put your fingerprint on the ignition for the car. And it verifies that you're not under the age of 21 and like... I don't know, before you can drive it. Otherwise, it's like "Eh, eh," prohibited from driving.
1: (laughs) Right. Or then your license is like somehow like scanned into this computer system.
0: Or Or like you stick it in like at the gas pumps.
1: Oh yeah. Or how about your how about Apple ID? Like your Apple like scan your phone on your on your car. Ooh, I instead think that, of
0: Apple Pay. Ooh, I you think are coming up with great ideas here. I
1: have a ton of great ideas. <laughs> Steve Jobs, rest God rest your soul. But um, you know, uh, whoever's in charge now, I don't know. But uh, you know, hit me up for some ideas. I'll hook you guys up.
0: <laughs> well, what else is big and exciting in your life, Chris?
1: Okay, so the big, big deal news, biggest news ever. Now, let me backtrack a little bit before I break the big news is that I have worked a lot. I've been with the same company now for about 10 years. And ever since I've been there, I drive gas for a gasoline tanker company mm-hmm. locally in San Diego. He's a big deal. I am a very, very big deal. Thank <laughs> you. And um, our schedule has always been a four work week, four on, three off. And it's always the same schedule. And then you pick the schedules based on your seniority. Now, I have pretty high seniority in the company now. Because he's a big deal. Thank you. So I have weekends off. That's fantastic. It's taken me a long time to get the weekends off. So I have, uh, I'm off Saturday, Sunday, and Mondays I am off. And what we a lot of us drivers do is they offer overtime, which would be working a fifth day, which in my case was Mondays, as overtime. So it would still be Monday through Friday, but I'd work the five days. And so I have made the executive big deal decision for the first time ever in the history of me working there. I've decided that I'm only going to work my regular four days at work and not work overtime.
0: What? Why didn't you tell me that?
1: I know. <laughs> and the reason why is because at first I was working it a lot. And that's what really paid for this house. It really what paid for my cars and my lifestyle and the kids. And it really helped out for everything. me afford everything here in San Diego. Because
0: being a single dad, buying your own house and raising two kids, it was kind of a lot for you by right. yourself, right? Oh,
1: totally, totally. So I would work that f- fifth day overtime, like, all the time for like last 10 years straight. I always worked it. And so taking a chance, like saying, no, I'm okay. And I'm okay in this relationship with Christine. I feel very comfortable with her and very comfortable with our um, situation that I am going to rather work more to have more money. I'm going to stay home more to be with the family and to be with Christine. And I think that's kind of like, it's, it's almost like I'm quitting my job, but I'm not really quitting my job. It's like, I still, I'm still working. I'm still working my regular full time. I'm just not going to work the extra overtime that I used to always work.
0: And so you're choosing to prioritize family time over extra money in your pocket. Exactly. And what makes that possible for you?
1: Having a wonderful partner like Christine (laughs) that actually supports the family and helps us out. And she is uh, we're going to be married. I was going to wait until we got married uh, next month before I did this. But then at work, uh, things have been getting kind of slow. They hired another driver. So a lot of the overtime kind of got gobbled up. There's not as much to go around. And so I say, you know what? Why don't I just do it now and say I'm not going to work anymore overtime right now unless they absolutely need me like an emergency or something. But as far as signing up every week to do it, I'm not going to sign up anymore to uh, work the overtime.
0: And I was so happy that I started crying because what? I, it really made me emotional because I my love language is quality time. And I think I've told you that before, like words of affirmation is up there but quality time is my number one and for for me it was you saying like cuz i know you've had to like wrestle to make ends meet before we joined our household together but what what you were telling me without actually saying it but what it was saying to me was i choose you and our boys and i am comfortable enough to say, I don't need that extra money because I know that we're partners and we're going to make it work. And time with you and the boys is more valuable than working an extra shift. And when we told Jacob and Mason today, uh, Chris was in the other room uh, grabbing some more coffee. But when I told Jacob that you weren't going to work any more overtime you would not believe the the grin that was on his face. Really?
1: They all super excited
0: about it. Yeah, he was super excited. And then when you came back in the room, I asked him why. And he said, because you're typically, like when you work overtime, it cuts their their time with you in half. Because we have them 50% of the time, Saturday through Tuesday. But when you work overtime, it's almost always on Mondays. And so you drop them off at school on Monday and then they don't see you again until the following Saturday. And so for them, it feels like they only get two and a half days of you. Right.
1: So now they get to see me more. I get get to be home more. And the thing is, too, is that I really enjoy doing this podcast and and I enjoy this entire stuff. So having being home an extra day Always, it gives me more time to do the fun stuff that I would really like doing and enjoy doing. Not saying so, so I don't like my job or I hate my job, I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is that I really do enjoy being home with you guys.
0: And it gives you time to refresh. And the boys love, love, love when you take them to school in the morning and then Monday afternoons when you take them to frozen yogurt after school. It's just such an exciting time for them. And I think that, you know, as a woman, that's one of the things that I wanted to be able to support my partner with is helping us figure out how we can, you know, work different ways in nooks and crannies to make sure that we're bringing in enough income so that we can take a little bit of the stress off of one another.
1: Right. And so Christine's been very, very helpful in that department. And for the first time ever, I've ever had a partner that has been on board to help out with um, everything that Christine has. She has been amazing. The best Ever, I Aww. I cannot thank you enough, babe. And that is the reason why I've decided to do what I've done and, and say, you know what? I'm okay. I enjoy being with you more. I enjoy our lives together. Um, it's been the best life ever being with you. Oh, you're
0: making me cry right I, now. I know. I'm
1: sorry. It's just, it's so true. And I think that's the reason why I'm like, you know what? What am I doing going to work for when I'd rather be here with you? You know, and, you know, I mean, yeah, totally. So, okay, okay, okay.
0: I know, you're going to me cry.
1: <laughs> All right, let's this get it
0: This is the sappy episode, everybody. <laughs>
1: right, well, we're going to turn this train around right now. <laughs> Woo! Okay, here we go. For the first time ever, the Chris and Christine show is going to do things a little differently. We are going to do this backwards where Christine was actually interviewed on another podcast. And we have that audio. We're going to play for you. The podcast was uh, Dr. Erica Brown, and she does a podcast called Dr. Erica by Design. It is a podcast about women's empowerment and entrepreneurship. Yep. Right?
0: Yeah. So I got invited to be on this show, and Dr. Erica selects women that she thinks are movers and shakers. And I was so honored to be invited onto the show. And we had a great chat.
1: The uh, podcast uh, she actually recorded on August fifteenth of right. this year. It was done by Zoom, and in the uh, episode they talk about uh, Christine's uh, domestic violence because it was Domestic Violence Month uh, in October. Yeah, just a little bit, and talked about Christine being a single mother and her struggles with being an entrepreneurship. I R- can't even say that word right.
0: Yeah, being an entrepreneur. That's why right. I don't. Yeah, to, I, it's I, such a funny word because it's spelled so weird, but. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the hustle and um, and then we talked about our relationship and how being able to work harder and push harder becomes an encouragement for one another. And so I'm really excited that you chose for us to feature this this week because this specific interview meant a lot to me.
1: Oh, really? That, yeah. is, that is what I call very much fan Fantastic. And thank you, Erica, for allowing us to play this interview on our podcast. And we will have it for you right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners.
0: To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media.
1: Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter.
0: And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us
1: in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to By Design with Dr. Erica, a show focused on highlighting amazing women who are stepping out of the box, saying, screw the expectations of society. And they basically rediscovered their purpose and are living the life that they were designed to live. Today, we are joined by Christine Shipman. By day, Christine works as an administrator in education and runs a skincare business. However, like many of you listening, Christine has dreams of doing more, and that's exactly why I wanted to have her on the show. Um, In navigating life as a single mom for five years, she's found her purpose in empowering women to lead as their true selves. Christine is the ideal example of what it looks like to be a full time entrepreneur in the making. And today we will chat with Christine about the challenges of being a full time employee and a part time entrepreneur, how she makes it happen. And her desires to take the road less traveled. So, Christine,
0: welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here with you today. Wow, what a great intro. <laughs> wow, I had an easy subject to talk about. Oh, I mean, thank you. <laughs> You're making me blush.
2: Oh, <laughs> my job is done. <laughs> now, before we jump into the, the nitty gritty, I just have to touch base because you have some something
0: big that you're planning right now. How are those plans going? Well, uh, wedding planning amid COVID is definitely (laughs) a roller coaster of emotion. So we are down into the double digit countdown. We just crossed the threshold from the 100 down to, I think today is 97-ish days. Okay. So, um, you know, unfortunately, there's had to be some changes It's a destination wedding. So we got some sad news that, the Hawaii Department of Health is restricting the number of guests. So we had to go through the whole kindly uninviting people. And oh my gosh, I cried Uh, so much. (laughs) That had
2: to be difficult.
0: It was very difficult, but you know, it's going to be a small intimate ceremony, close family and friends. We did have to cancel our reception, but we're grateful to move forward with the ceremony, which is what it's about. Right, right, right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad it's going well. I had to to touch base on that because that's an exciting part of life and also part of your story as well, right? You know. Yes,
0: definitely is. Okay,
2: great. Now I know when we chatted before, you know, um, we kind of talked about your journey, and in the intro, we mentioned that you are still sort of in the full time employee space, but doing right. some entrepreneurship on the side. So when did that bug bite you? Like that bug that says. I think I want to do a little bit more than just this job that I have here. I want to do something for myself.
0: Well, it's funny that you would ask that question. I was, as I was getting ready this morning to sit down with you today, I was thinking about that very same thing. Like when did I get this like hustle mentality? And it goes all the way back to when I got my first job at 14. Money was pretty tight at home and my mom had gone back to college my dad was an entrepreneur trying to build his own construction business, and I saw that. I grew up on the job sites with him, and I saw how hard it was, but how fulfilling it was for him to have this thing that he created. And so, you know, at 14, I got my first job. I've always had at least one job, if not two or three. And that's followed me through my adult life. I have been very successful in education, I've been in education since I was 22. But I've always had a side hustle alongside that. Over the last several years as I've been pursuing my doctorate, it really got me thinking though about like what is my impact that I want to have with my life and what is that purpose because I've done great things in education and really helped to support students have equity and access to opportunities. But beyond that, like could I be doing more And so as I went through my divorce and um, coming out of a relationship of domestic violence and reflecting on that whole process, I just had this great passion well up inside me to support and empower women. And so I've just, I think that's what's my driving force is each entrepreneurship opportunity that I engage with. It's trying to further me towards that goal of how can I impact and empower more women to see that they can live their best life too?
2: Mm. Okay, great. Impact, that's always a word that, that strikes me because that's kind of what's in my head as well when I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Is the impact that you have on others. And I, I hear a lot of people that say, well, I don't know what my passion or my purpose is and I, I've been looking for it. And you kind of spoke to how you came about it, but mm-hmm. was that process easy Or can you just kind of help us understand how, how, how long it took you to get to that point, I guess?
0: Well, I went through a really dark season. I, as I mentioned, I came out of a relationship where um, there was lots of different types of abuse that were involved, financial abuse. When I left that relationship, finally, I was, I had nothing. I mean, I had a good job, so I'm very thankful for that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have anything in my name. I didn't own my car. I didn't have access to my bank accounts. I I had no emergency fund. I had nothing to fall back on. And I uh, was grateful that a local domestic violence shelter helped me through that transition of learning how to advocate for myself. And I was just, I stepped back and I thought like, if I'm going through this, I went and I got a college education, I have a master's degree, like I shouldn't be facing this. And then I thought like, there should be no shoulding in this. Like it's not I should or shouldn't, it's I am. And how do I help prevent this for myself in the future? And how can I help others learn about it? Nobody wants to go through a divorce. It's not what you get married to do. And, but when you find yourself in that situation, it's like, how have you created your own path so that you can still bounce back up? And mm-hmm. I think that, that that really low time in my life of having to figure it out, having to figure out how to qualify for my own first apartment, how to support my son, how to, you know, just navigate learning how to, and it sounds, it sounds so steeped in privilege. And I know that because I had a partner that was taking care of it, but he was also abusive in that, that um, nature of just controlling everything that I just had to learn. I was 34 years old and I just had to figure out like, what am I going to do so that this never happens again? And so, I went through a a dark period of time for a year and a half of just stumbling around and trying to figure out and refusing to get help from anyone else because I was determined that I was going to figure this out on my own. I didn't want anybody bailing me out. I didn't want borrowing money from anyone. I was determined that my son was going to see me rise up from the ashes of this and look at me one day and be like, that's the kind of woman I want in my life that's determined enough that no matter what, she's going to find her way back up.
2: Right. That's awesome. Thank you. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. The kids can be a, a very powerful motivator for people. I don't have kids, but I, I've mm-hmm. heard the stories of women like you, you know, who they want their kids to see what they, they want their kids to, to envision and see in them what they would want for their kids in the future spouse or wife, husband, whatever.
0: Exactly. I, t- I talk with my son a lot about it, and now as I'm getting married, I have two more boys coming into the picture. But I talk with my son, and I have all along the way about the importance of working hard for what you get to enjoy. And so now he and I travel, and um, we have a lot of different experiences, and he's been able to see the world. But I talk with him about. So in my business, we just had five really good months. And so mommy was saving a portion of that for our travel fund. The rest of it was going to pay for other essentials and to save up our emergency fund. But this is because I worked hard. So all of those nights when you saw me up late after you went to bed, that's what that was for. And so teaching him that you work hard, play hard. Right. And you bring up
2: an interesting point there where you said sacrifice, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you being a mom while now having three total kids yeah. you know, and full-time work and your side business, and you also have a podcast with right. me um, How do you navigate that? Because I, I speak to a lot of women and they want to do these things, but then it's like these distractions come up or, you know, the kids things come up. So how do you actually work to make all these things fit into your life?
0: Yeah. I love that question so much. And I think a lot about my background in college. So I went to school for a political science degree, but I minored in economics. And in economics, there's this concept of cost and benefit analysis and trade-offs. I apply that to my life. Whenever something comes in, I do have hobbies and I spend time like I'll sit on the couch and on Netflix for like binge watched Sunset Season or Selling Sunset Season 3. Like Don't judge. It was it was fantastic.
2: housewives (laughs) of like that stuff. Yeah, I do that.
0: (laughs) Right, but you also have to put rub that up against like what is pressing right now. So in my businesses, because there are multiple of them, I'll ask like, do I have a deliverable that I'm working towards, or is there something that I need to produce, and what would be the cost of sacrificing my Netflix time right now and sitting down and doing this versus the benefit of going and you know, sitting on the couch. And that's not always what the The trade-off is. I'm oversimplifying it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like family time, my fiance and I navigate that and I'll say to him, we talk a lot about like what's coming up in the week. And I'll say, you know, I have a research article that I'm getting ready to publish. I think I'm going to need like three or four hours. Are you okay with the kids just kind of managing themselves while you're working on podcasting stuff and, you know, they could play Legos or whatever. And then we'll come back together at five o'clock and have family dinner. How's that? Mm-hmm. So it's all about kind of a negotiation. And I think having a partner that is supportive of that entrepreneurial spirit is really, really important. And I wouldn't say that I had that before.
2: Gotcha. So negotiation, but also just the communication of the piece of, of making that happen. Do you have that conversation with your kids as well? Like, like you say, mommy needs to take care of X, Y, and Z. Yeah,
0: I'm. I am consistently communicating with the kids about like what's our plan, and that's I think one of the things that's the bane of my existence is my schedule. Like I live and I die by my schedule, so I'll open up the calendar app and be like, okay, kids, this is what I have going on this weekend. Is there anything that you really needed to do? And, you know, the boys are always like, yes, I wanted to go spend my money at Target. I'm like, and yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> And so, you know, we're teaching them responsibility too. There's chore lists, and uh, we are building that entrepreneurial spirit with them, where they have their required chores that allow them to earn their allowance. But there's this accessory list of chores that they can tap into if they're wanting to earn extra money. So it's like those elements have an added value to it. So raking leaves in the backyard it's going to take you 30 minutes and that's a dollar <laughs> so like help, having a value associated with it so they know how to start valuing their time and their energy and efforts too because we think that kids that just have money handed to them don't necessarily value it as much and and so we're just trying to make that a, a real mantra in our household right i like that that accessory, uh, chore. the accessory uh accessory list yes. yeah, yeah yeah that's cool that's cool so, okay, that helps yeah. in our house, they, they can't just come up and say, "Well, I, I need extra money for this it's and how are you adding value to our household and of right. course, you know, we spoil them when we go out and do things, but but really, the extras in life trying to teach them at a very young age that you're not entitled to anything
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's true okay
2: I, I want to take us back for a second, um, because you were talking about how you uh, went through divorce and had to basically build your life back up and just kind of redesign your life. Mm -hmm. Um, But you were working full time at the same time. So when did the entrepreneurship sort of come in? We talked about the bug in your, your dad Mm -hmm. sort of being that example, but when did you actually start to get your feet into that space?
0: Yeah. It was a really clear moment in time. I was struggling to make ends meet. I'd moved, I was recruited for a job down in San Diego and I'd lived up in central California at the time. And the cost of living in San Diego is exorbitant. It's very, very expensive. But it's so beautiful. I know it is. It is gorgeous. And that's part of moving down here is for the lifestyle. And so, you know, I had, uh, before I went through my divorce, I had a beautiful home and, you know, my mortgage was it was a four bedroom three bathroom house, brand new build, and it was like thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month. I moved to San Diego to a two bedroom apartment in a not fantastic area of town. and it was two thousand dollars a month. And I'm trying to support my son and just really trying to make things work. And it, I get paid one time a month from my my regular full time career. And I have to make that stretch. Mm. And I remember sitting down and looking at my bank account and realizing I had to figure out something to do with my son so that I could work. And I needed to pay for him to go to day camp during the summer and just realizing I didn't have the money for it, for basic needs like that. I thought there's got to be something more. There has to be a way for me to work my real job and then fit something into the nooks and crannies of my life. And you know, I'd been watching my sister's Facebook feed and she had started this side business. And as I was scrolling through Facebook, really, you know, in this self-pity mode, she's like lounging next to this infinity pool in Jamaica saying, uh, this is my training scene for today with my side business. And I was like, I'd seen her posting about different products and things that she was marketing. It was a multi-level marketing company. And I was like, it's a pyramid scheme. It's ridiculous. I don't want to be part of it. You can't make money. They're just, you know, all of the things that everybody says. I've had those thoughts before. (laughs) Right. And so, and I was like, nobody ever makes money. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever makes money with it. But then I saw that and I know my sister is super frugal and super practical and here I am looking at my bank account, realizing I I can't afford the basics with my son to get him childcare. And then I was just like, you know what? Nothing changes if nothing changes. The worst thing that happens is I invest a little bit of time and energy and money in this, and maybe it materializes to nothing. But in the best case scenario, maybe it changes my life. Mm-hmm. And so that was that mentality. I, I think everybody comes to that decision point of like, what is it that I really want? And am I willing to take the risk to jump out and, and see if it actually could work for me? And that was my moment. Right.
2: Gotcha. And it's that risk piece that people seem to struggle with. Cause you don't, you don't know, you don't know what, when you leap off the mountain, like, is there going to be something there to catch you? You know, you just don't know. <laughs>
0: Right. And I think it's women that struggle most with risk. And I'm not trying to stereotype, but my doctoral research is really around uh, the underrepresentation of women in color in senior level leadership positions. And there's a lot of research around that men are more um, attracted to risk and women are more risk averse because we want to be more calculated. We're that protector, provider, nurturer. And if we perceive that something could impact us from being able to like nurture and provide for our family, then we sidestep it a little bit for like a little bit of more what's secure. Mm. And I think that at some point you come to this, call like to come to Jesus moment where it's like, what is it that I really want to do with my life? And am I willing to sacrifice and make some changes to make that happen?
2: Right. That's interesting that men are, are well, I guess you see that in corporate all the time. Like right. men just like, even we think about, I always hear people say when you're applying for a job, you know, men tend to just apply for whatever. Like they'll take that risk to apply, even if, even if they, they don't meet the criteria. And women exactly. are like, I'm missing one thing on this list. I can't, I can't do that.
0: <laughs> yes, you're you're hitting the nail on the head, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is like men will apply for jobs that they're 20 or 30 percent qualified for. Like that they meet 20 or 30 percent of the characteristics and they're like, Oh yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. As women, you're exactly right. We'll look and we'll say, Oh, well, I don't meet this or this, so I'm not gonna go for it. And and I don't think that it's just on us. Like the way that I'm phrasing it makes it sound like blame the women, but it's the environment that we've been raised in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that engaging in entrepreneurship and speaking as a woman, engaging in entrepreneurship, what it does is it helps to normalize that risk for others to feel like well, if she did it and she's okay and she didn't lose everything, and she can still have a full time job and have two, three, four businesses on the side, maybe I can too. Now we're gonna have to talk about that one.
2: <laughs> we to get to that in a second because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a lot of businesses, Christine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I want to I want to ask a question about. So you 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 were doing your full time. You now have the the side business. Mm-hmm. Um. And your your dad's experience, you know, when mm-hmm. you think about your experiences as an entrepreneur and what you learned, like what is the key thing that you think you learned about yourself in entrepreneurship?
0: Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I think that I've realized that I can maintain... A positive energy in a lot of different environments. And that positive energy gives me energy to invest in other things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people get so knocked down when they encounter adversity. And I think that your mentality and your approach towards adversity dictates how successful you're going to be. So, like when I encounter a challenge, I look at it as just that and problem solving. And I'm very determined. So, it's, well, how am I going to get through this and get over it? not how am I going to allow it to cripple me. Mm. And so I think I've learned that about myself is I can carry this philosophy of abundant positivity into everything that I do. And that really can give me energy to lift myself out of the gutter. If I've had a failure in whatever, to be able to try something different. Right, right. Okay. I like that.
2: Thanks. No, (laughs) that abundance. Okay, cool.
0: So now let's well, get to this. go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say because you know positivity, it's it is abundant, and and we can create it. We can you know fake it till we make it. And there's times when it's really difficult to do, but we do have a choice every day when we wake up. We can be negative. We can be severely impacted by what's around us, or we can choose to find hope and optimism.
2: Right. Is there anything that you wish you would have known about the space of entrepreneurship before you sort of started to? venture into it.
0: I wish I would have known that you don't have to have any specific qualifications to get started with whatever business. I I carried this mentality in of, well, I have to go to business school or I have to have, you know, some patent or trademark, like I have to have all of those things before I step out into that space and I think that would have helped me start earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like understanding things like the stock market, that's something I still don't have a really strong understanding of like, how do I invest for my future? Mm -hmm. Those are things I would have loved to know that I could learn when I was 18, that I didn't have to wait until I was, you know, 30 or 40. Right.
2: Yeah. The stock market, I, I don't get it at all. I mean, we played the stock market (laughs) game in school, but I don't think I grasp like everything around it. So I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. And the need to not be, like you say, an expert or have all these different qualifications, it can be a struggle, especially for people like me who are type A, like, I have to know everything or I have to be an expert in my mind in this to start it.
0: Um, It can be a challenge. It totally can be because we look at the the deficiencies that we don't carry into it as disqualifiers, Instead of looking at those things, like, how can I create a workaround for that? How can I get those skills without having to carry some official title or certificate? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, that is the hard part.
2: But once you get over that, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) Experiment and you, I think you get over that need to be the perfectionist type of person and that need to always be right. And you just try it and you kind of look at it as an experiment and you learn from it, what worked, what didn't work. And you move
0: forward exactly because entrepreneurship isn't a straight line. It's like it, it can be very messy. It can be take you in a lot of different directions. You can start out with a business and think that you're going towards this one goal, and who knows? Maybe you have a venture capitalist that comes in to invest in your company, and it pivots your purpose a little bit. And so it's that flexibility, malleability, and that willingness to think outside of the box is really what that entrepreneurship spirit is about. And I think even if you're in that space for a couple of years, it just changes you. It changes your your approach to the world and just what you're willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with. Right, right. And
2: you mentioned just then, you know, you may start something and then it changes or you may see something else that's of interest. So that brings me to this question of when you said two or three or four, right? Businesses that you have going on right now. Yeah. So what are you? What are you doing? What sure.
0: So my full time career, I am in administration. I'm pretty high up in education. I'm an executive leadership coach. That's what gets me my full time paycheck, my full time salary. So I have that, and it's pretty demanding. And you know, with COVID, it's all like a remote work situation right now. Uh, but I have had my skincare business on the side now for three and a half years mm-hmm. and it's a supplemental income stream and it helps to pay for travel and extra expenses for you know doing special things with my son and my new family. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year and a half ago, I developed a leadership framework because I work in that space of leadership, but I was noticing these trends among women in leadership. And so I developed my own coaching framework that I utilize in private consulting, um, and it's called Fierce Tears, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I've, uh, I also...
2: Say that again? It makes me think of like Tears for Fears, that group. Of... <laughs> yeah.
0: I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> no, totally get that. Uh, and then my fiance and I, we have a podcast, and we have a podcast editing studio, so uh, that's part of his dream is he had a job. It's, he works 3 p.m. or 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. five days a week. And he was just kind of in this rut. And as we got together and he started to see what I brought in terms of like entrepreneurship and always thinking outside of the box, he started to dream again. And I think that's the thing about entrepreneurship is it's contagious. Mm -hmm. And so he started to think of things that he'd always wanted to do, but didn't necessarily feel qualified to do. And he'd always wanted to start a podcast. So he invited me to be his co-host. And so um, that's called the Chris and Christine show. But then from that, he found that he was really good at editing and keeping our sound really crisp and clean. And so now he does podcast editing services for other startup podcasts. And so we have that studio. And then most recently, uh, my, in my doctoral program, myself and two of my colleagues, we just launched an ed tech startup about three and a half weeks ago to respond to an, an education technology startup company. Yeah.
2: Okay. Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry about that. And it's really to respond to the need of families that are struggling to support their children academically in a distance learning environment. And so we've created something that's needs responsive. And I think that's part of the thing about the entrepreneurship is when you start a company, you need to look for the market need for it. Don't just like start something that there's no demand for. And right now there's a demand for academic support programs. And so I could sit there and I could look at, you know, oh, there's a need and nobody's meeting it. Or I could figure out how to meet that need and build a team around me that's going to make it happen. And so, you know, all of those different things take up little portions of life, but it also keeps me energized because I can divert my attention in the evenings to work on one of my business ventures, but I don't do it alone. I build people around me like my fiance with the podcast. He'll carry the load sometimes more um, or my co-founders, we all have different responsibilities within our startup company.
2: Gotcha. How did you find like your circle? Obviously, your fiance, you know, <laughs> he was easy to find, you know. Um, but how did you find the other people that sort of around you for these other businesses that you're working on? Uh
0: so it's just like being aware of what's going on around you. With the our education tech startup, it's called Level Up Learning Solutions. Uh, There was, we were in a closed Facebook group with our doctoral candidate colleagues Mm -hmm. and one of my very close friends in the program posted, I have this business idea and she was just kind of pitching what the response was like in terms of the pain points that she was trying to address with the company. And she said, oh, is anybody interested? Well, I knew her, I know her work ethic and I thought, well, there's a need out in the market and she's brilliant. And she's offering me co-foundership and anybody else that comes on board. Why wouldn't I jump on? Because there's minimal investment of money and possible big rewards, not just financially, but in terms of impact within uh, an underserved area right now. So I just felt like, well, whether it's six months or six years on this business venture, I can do that. I'll be a better person because of it. I'll learn through the process. And if I fail, I fail. Well, if you fail, no, you didn't fail. You just learned. Exactly. It's all about like failing forward. You know, sometimes we have these little micro failures, but they're not, we assign so much value to failure. Like if I failed then that's what, then I have failed and we internalize it and it becomes our identity instead. Like entrepreneurship is about, like I said, normalizing risk, but also normalizing failure. We're all going to fail. And the more comfortable we get with it, it builds resilience for us to like get back up faster and try something different.
2: Mm -hmm. Love it. I love that you had like this impact on your fiance though, to start his own business as well. That's, that's amazing.
0: Well, and, and the same for him and me, you know, it was his idea for the podcast, but you can be that supportive cheerleader on the side saying like, yeah, do it. And you know, Here's a resource to build your free website, and here, you know, he's learned website development because of it, um, social media marketing, uh, and then audio engineering. So, you know, when you are an encourager and let's that abundant positivity, like when you carry that into your life, it could be contagious, and other people see themselves through your eyes, like, oh, what's possible? Right, right. Yeah. Did you ever have any challenges of uh, or fear
2: of? what outside people would say about, you know, Christine, you have a full-time job. Now you're doing all this other stuff. Like there's no way you can do that, Christine. That's, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. I struggle with that every day because people look at me and they'll say, well, how do you get it all done? Um, I, you know, Oh, I could never do that. Or I'm just so busy. And it's like, I get that. And then people say, well, You know, shouldn't you be focused on your wedding and on your family? And there's that's back to that or what I said earlier. Like people should on you, like they they should tell you you should do this, you should do that, you should. They try to box you in, and and I I face that. I face imposter syndrome every day. I face this feeling of like, am I making this all up? Like, do I even really belong? Can I really cut it? I face that on a daily basis, but the doing the work every day, like stepping it out really helps to combat that. And it's like, I get up every day and I say, I'm going to be really good at whatever it is that I'm doing today. I look at my calendar and I get to work because the more energy we spend on what other people think about us, the less it allows us to invest in our own dreams. And so uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers, Rachel Hollis says like, what other people think about you is none of your business. And so I've had to start embracing that, like, if somebody's giving me a sideways glance or saying something, I'm like, just call it out for what it is. Thank you for trolling me. Have a nice day. <laughs> yes, that that is
2: that is true. Because that can also be a, a big deterrent. Not just, you know, what close people think of you, but in this space and in the time that we're in now, social media is so big and it seems like in order to be an entrepreneur, you almost have to be on social media, even though you may not like it. And there's that chance of those trolls and that fear of what people are going to say about you or your product or whatever on comments on social media.
0: Right. We can get so tied up in what other people think that it keeps us from living our life. And at some point you just have to ask yourself, like, am I living their life or am I living my life? Because at the end of the day, I have to go to sleep and talk to myself. Like, it's it's my voices in my head that I need to wrestle with in my own uh, demons. And so if I, at the end of the night can be like, whatever I did today, I know I did it to the best of my ability, then that's enough for me.
2: Right.
0: Right. So now you mentioned
2: a few things that I want to touch on, you know, I think we talked about this, at least i talked about this on the show several times and you talked about support, mm-hmm. which is, is key. Um, having the support of your fiance, the support of your kids, really, and and the support of the people that are on your team in your various businesses. Are there any other resources that you found to be valuable in preparing you for your entrepreneur endeavors, whether it be uh, the actual company itself or even preparing your mindset for it?
0: So I read a lot and reading has been something that's been really important to me as building my brain up to understand what it is that I'm made of, like understanding how I think and I operate. So, personal development books are really big for me. And then anything around growth mindset, because I don't want to be this person that's just satisfied. I'm constantly trying to improve mm-hmm. and constantly trying to innovate. And so, um, Carol Dweck's work around growth mindset has been very important for me and integrating that. Uh, so I think that that's one of the things is anytime you have those negative thoughts, those automatic net automatic negative thoughts that kind of replay over and over again in your head, you just have to have truth to speak to that. And so getting immersed in research, getting immersed in personal development books, uh, Ted talks and things like that really helped me to kind of combat that negative tape in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom is also a super supportive person. My mom and my dad, they've been married for 50 years. And yeah, I know they're celebrating 50 years in February, actually, the day before Valentine's Day. Happy early anniversary. (laughs) Uh, And they have always demonstrated taking calculated risks. Mm -hmm. And I could get involved in a bunch of different things. And my mom will be like, okay, Christy, are you sure you have time for that? And I'll say, oh, yeah, mom, da, 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 da. And she's like, okay, well, you know, let us know what we can do to support you. And um, I think that that's really important for me too is, you know, my parents came from very humble beginnings and um, both of them wrestled with, you know, coming out of poverty and food insecurity and things like that. And so they're very supportive of us girls figuring out whatever it takes to be financially independent And, you know, I'll say that that's one of the big things that my parents did for me from the very beginning, from when I was in high school, I didn't, I didn't have goals for myself. I wanted to just graduate and get married and I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that was my mentality. And my mom said, you can do that, but you will get a college, college degree first, at least a two-year degree. Mm -hmm. You need to always have a plan B. And so I think like that supportive voice in my head is, always have a plan B allows me to prepare for the unexpected and I think have I had I not had that su- support system through my entire life like I don't think I'd be where I am right now right yeah that plan B
2: comes in handy and that's kind of when I think about your your scenario right now with still having your full-time job and, and mm-hmm. doing your other businesses, um, I think of that process of a plan B so what are your thoughts about what your future looks like is
0: the goal to completely transition eventually or what are you thinking yeah that's a great question i i struggle with this one because i think that in my career i've rarely had a 5 year plan in my that's in my full time gig because i've always been working on like entrepreneurship things along the side so i've consistently grown like i said i've promoted to a pretty high level within my regular career but there comes a point where it's like my next step is either going to need to be into the role of superintendent because that's where I'm at in my career trajectory or to leave education and to like go out into full-time consulting. And, and it's a very big decision to make. And so if I step into a role as a school district superintendent, my school board isn't going to be as supportive as of my entrepreneurial efforts. And at that point in time, you do have to let go of them because you have a board that's kind of governing your contract and so i've been wrestling with that lately and i've been a little bit stalled out and i think that's why maybe i'm going so hard in the entrepreneurship space right now because i'm like i've got to test this all out i've got to see like either i'm going to get it out of my system or i'm going to like make the leap and i'm going to leave this full-time secure salary job to go out into the entrepreneurial space cuz I'm not going to lie. It's, it, there's a little bit of a safety net. I still have a full-time paycheck coming in and I have my side hustle paychecks coming in, but making that, making that transition, I don't know. I would love to go full-time into the entrepreneurship space, but there's still some fear of the, could I really do it? Could I really do it? And could I still provide for my family in the way that I do right now? And so I'm building up that belief bubble for myself, and I I think that over the next two years, I'm going to be able to start to make some concrete steps to branch out on my own. Okay, gotcha. And I I love your answer because it's
2: a very honest answer that a lot of people are probably struggling with right now themselves is, what do I do? And sometimes I think we see social media and like people just, I quit my job, which what I did. I quit my job, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm doing this. And I was just like you. It wasn't like I just woke up yesterday and quit my job. Like it was a a process that I had to go through in my head mm-hmm. over a number of years before I got to that point. So you are definitely not alone. <laughs> <in> <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> but well, because if you think about it, like I've spent so much time and energy getting an education and getting degrees and Putting them into practice. And I am on this, like, I don't want to call it an escalator, but like a moving sidewalk of like, here's the next step for you and here's where you go. And then there's this pressure of, well, school districts need really strong superintendents. And I'm like, I know, but can my family handle that? Because there's immense political pressure. And it's, you know, I have to see what fits with our lifestyle and what's going to be the best fit for us.
2: Right. Now, you said that. Right now, your full-time job supports your entrepreneurship. Yes. So you've had the discussion with them that you're doing things on the side?
0: Yeah, we have policies within our organization that allow us to have uh, supplemental jobs as long as it doesn't impact what our main job focus is. So I can't build up a coaching business focused on the same exact demographic that I support, but... I do have coaching and consulting on the side, but it's focused specifically on women and leadership development in women, not necessarily in the education space. It's just women in general. So then it's not really competitive. Mm -hmm. So I can have anything alongside that as long as it doesn't overstep into what my normal job is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you have two years. I know. I'm finishing out. I'm finishing school. I finished my doctorate this year in May, well, May 2021. Um, and so then I'm like, okay, I'll give myself a whole year after that to just like come down from this like intense educational experience. And then after that, it's like, okay, Christine, what's the next step? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned, because um, you were going through
2: your list of things and I had to write it down because you have a lot going on. <laughs> Um, you mentioned the educational tech piece, but you also mentioned the fierce
0: tears. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep.
2: Okay. (laughs) Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah. So as I was mentioning in my doctoral work, I've been really studying about the struggles that women face in navigating leadership. And as I was working on some of my research for my dissertation, I started to notice that this trend among women that we like we've talked about we try we don't take calculated risks as much as men do and sometimes we battle imposter syndrome and I started to really explore what the root of that was and it was that women really we don't necessarily believe that we are talented like that's the first part is that we'll we'll say we'll diminish our talents because somebody else could do it better so it's like if i have a business it's that like comparison, well, such and such Sally over there is, you know, she's been doing her business the same amount of time, but she's so much further along than me. And we forget to embrace our own unique talents. And then we discount our expertise that we bring into whatever the field is, whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's into our full time career, we diminish the the actual brain power that we bring bring into it. We make ourselves small. And then we have this power in our authenticity, our resilience, and our strength. And I was reading that over and over again in this research is that, you know, women as leaders, they're very facilitative. They're viewed as authentic. They're very resilient. You know, women of color specifically have been able to overcome so many barriers and consistently are still showing up for leadership opportunities. And then there was this theme of strength. And so when I started t- looking at those elements, it was talent, Expertise, authenticity, resilience, and strength. The acronym was tears. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so weak. Like, why would I use that acronym? Because when people think of tears, they think of crying, you know, and women, we are over identified as being overly emotional. You know, people will say, oh, look at her. She's crying, or you're so sensitive. I used to hear that all the time. Get a thicker skin. I cry all the time. And I started to ask myself, why is it that I cry? I cry at injustice. I cry when uh, people are mistreated. I cry when I'm angry. I actually don't typically cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm angry about something that I can't fix. And I started to realize that tears for women come from a different place. I mean, sometimes it's that we're moved by emotions, but sometimes it's because we're trying to break through and try and accomplish something and it's just not happening and we just feel so overwhelmed at the barriers. And so when I started to think about that, I started to think of tears as not a sign of weakness, but as a, tine, a sign of strength. And for me, my life word is the word fierce. And it's kind of funny because as I came out of my divorce, that term fierce had such a negative connotation. like You think of like somebody that's aggressive. And I started to do a word study on that term fierce. And it actually, at the root of it, means to live with a heartfelt and powerful intensity. Hmm. And so then I thought of how women show up in the world and how we really lean into things and we're willing to take risks. And I thought, fierce tears is really how we show up in the world. We show up with our emotion and then we live with this heartfelt and powerful intensity. So why wouldn't I package that together And help women to understand that that thing that other people see as a sign of weakness, we can leverage as our strength. And so that's how I coach women in my consulting business is really around understanding what your talents are. And so going through a talent assessment and really starting to... Explore different aspects of your being that maybe you didn't embrace typically. And then getting really clear on what your expertise is. Because sometimes as women, we'll jump into a new initiative or a new endeavor, but it doesn't really align with our expertise, but it's shiny. You know, it's it's pretty and we want to do that. But if you're not in your area of expertise and passion, then you're going to lose motivation in that. And so then the other aspect of the Fierce Tears framework is embracing your authenticity and being comfortable in your own skin. Because again, as women, sometimes we get caught up in the imposter syndrome and our coping mechanism is to try and be something different. But instead, being able to be comfortable in our own skin is really, really important. And then recognizing our own resilience and strength and learning how to um, affirm ourselves. And so I think that that's a really part of leading as a woman and entrepreneurship as a woman is the ability to self-affirm because entrepreneurship, it can be cutthroat. You don't always have somebody there cheering you on. And so that's why I trademarked this framework and I use it for women, whether they're contracting with me for just a couple of coaching sessions because they're maybe getting ready to go into the job market or whether it's a woman that's just feeling stuck in her, her current role and trying to like get some some insight on how to move forward, it's it's really a reflective process of self development. Gotcha.
2: And I loved when you just said self affirm mm-hmm. because yes, entrepreneurship. <laughs> there is no end of year review. There is no three hundred and sixty <laughs> review that is done for you to kind of give you a, a sense of how you're doing.
0: Yeah, so- and. And there's this visual, my little sister, I have a little sister that is 10 years younger than me and she gave me this great analogy about five years ago, right after I was coming through my divorce and I was just saying, you know, I lost my best friend and, you know, I don't have anybody to encourage me. And she said, she said to me, sister, cause that's what we call each other. She's like, sister, you need to think about your life like a balloon. Like you've been so focused for so long on letting somebody else blow up your balloon for you and then them squeezing it out. You need to blow up your own balloon. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. And it's this, complete, it's this complete shift when you think of literally holding like a little balloon and like, well, I can't just be relying on somebody else to affirm me and speak life into me. I have to learn how to do it for myself. If I can't do it for myself, why should I expect someone else to? Right. I love that analogy. Your sister
2: is amazing. (laughs) I think so too. Is she a creative person? Because creative person, people tend to speak in analogies all the time.
0: Sometimes, but we've just been raised speaking analogies. I think of analogies all the time, but it was just one of those moments where we were talking and I was like, you're freaking brilliant. Like I will carry that with me forever. Yes. Yes. I love that. The balloon analogy. Okay. Yep. Blow up your own balloon. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) Her name's Courtney. Thanks, Courtney. Courtney.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, awesome. So I guess I have one last question. Well, one last serious question for you. Mm -hmm. Looking back over, you know, the past few years from divorce and, you know, redesigning yourself until now, what's the most, what are you most proud of?
0: Uh, Oh, that's a really deep question. What am I most (laughs) proud of? I think that I'm most proud of the woman I've become. Mm -hmm. I would say that when I look at who I was five years ago and I look at who I am now, I don't recognize that woman from before. She was very insecure. And um, while she was successful in her career, like just didn't really know who she was and what she was made of and what she was capable of and I think that that's the thing that I'm most proud of is really getting clear on who I am what I stand for and what I won't stand for in my own life because I think that I didn't know how to set appropriate boundaries before um, and I'm not saying by any means that my my being a victim of domestic violence was in any way my fault but I know how to set boundaries you know I step I, I got out, but I also didn't get out without a lot of scars and bruises, not physically necessarily, but emotionally. And so I'm proud of myself that I now ha- know how to set healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. that I know how to prioritize things in my life and to pursue my dreams and to not feel guilty about them. Uh, and so I'm really proud of that, that becoming process for myself as a woman I think is just super super important and I think that that's had an impact on so many others that I coach and that I support and even in my own family I think that you know we're raising three boys three young men and to raise them around a strong woman that has a clear sense of purpose I think that's invaluable for them because then that lets them know what a woman is worthy of and, and that I'm modeling for them. No, you don't speak to me like that. You don't disrespect me in that way. I am a woman. You will not speak to me in that way. You will, you will have respect for me. And, and we talk about that. And I think that that's really important. And I don't think that I had that voice before.
2: That's awesome.
0: Thank you. Awesome.
2: Well, Christine, we have come to the part of our show where we switch gears a little bit from the okay. conversation to just the fun wrap-up. <laughs> so I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> we call it the Fab Four. And okay. it's I, I cheat a little bit because it's not really four, but don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's essentially just I ask a few questions and you say what the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So if you had one
0: superpower, what would it be? Oh, I think that it would be, oh, I've thought about this a little bit, to be bulletproof. Like bulletproof, because I, I am an, a very emotional person. I wish that I wasn't as in, uh, impacted by the things that people say. Like, I don't know, have a thicker skin. Maybe maybe that would be my superpower. <laughs> Okay. So like emotional bulletproof, like.
2: Yes. And physically, you know, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) I just think it'd be really cool. That is the first time I've heard that one.
0: So (laughs) you get, you get the gold star for that one. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe watching one too many Marvel movies with my boys, you know, seeing all of these like.
2: (gasps) I'm right there with you. I'm a Marvel fan. So. Awesome. I have Shuri behind me. I'm not sure if you can see her. No. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> she's on top. Um, okay. <laughs> if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who
0: would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um Ruth Bader-Ginsburg is like my all-time hero. So I would and she's alive, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I would love to sit with her and just talk with her. Um I think Michelle Obama is super inspiring and my fiance has been like tweeting her out. Like, would you come on our show? I'm like, babe, I really appreciate that. But I, don't, I think we're, you know, small time compared and he's like, she's your dream. I'm going to go for it. Uh, and then I think, cause I love politics and I loved watching as a young woman, uh, the way that Condoleezza Rice led in our country. And I would love to sit all three of them down Mm. with me for dinner and just listen to, I mean, because they're barrier breakers. They really are just amazing, amazing women and have experienced leadership at a level that I can't even imagine with attacks and overcoming the odds, and I would just love to sit with all three of them at the dinner at dinner and like make them dinner and be like, tell me all your secrets.
2: <laughs> hey, that would be a great one, Rvg, Condoleezza, mm-hmm. Michelle. Let me tell you, I, Michelle is one of my dreams too. Like in my head, I'm going to interview her. I don't know when. <laughs> you are. Yes. Speak it and, into existence. Yes. We're going to, so, yep. Right after she leaves your show, she's going to head over to like, <laughs> do interview as well. So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love that list. Okay. Thank you. So if you had to choose a song to represent your life, what would that
0: song be? Oh, um, that's a great question. I think the, um, survivor, I'm a survivor, I think is like very, um, like the old school survivor, or like yeah, yeah. I'm Child, a sur- I'm- oh well, Disney Child, yeah, okay. <laughs> Disney Child <I'm> a survivor. <laughs> you mean to say old school for me? That was like high school. So yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I think that like the words in that were like I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna work harder. Like the that is kind of who I am, and I have been a survivor, and so I know what it takes to get back up even after, you know, being struck down and when people kind of thought that there was like, that was it. You're not going to get, you're not going to be able to emerge from this. Nope. I'm going to prove you wrong. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay.
0: Survivor
2: <laughs> videos in my head. So
0: uh-huh. for me thinking. too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Destiny's Child. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Last questions. Just finish the following statements. Okay. I love
0: my life. Aww. I like that. <laughs> I dream of. Going to the Maldives. I know it's random, but I would just want to be like in one of those like cottages over the like crystal clear blue ocean. I dream of that. I literally do.
2: Okay. I'm not mad at you.
0: I, <laughs> I do it too. <laughs> All
2: right. Last one. I am. Fierce. Yes.
0: You have to be. There's <laughs> fierce. It, it's perfect. That's your word, fierce. I, I do have the tattoo of it right here too that says she is fierce.
2: Oh, nice. Yes, you are. You are fierce. I am. There's a little
0: <laughs> there's a little story to that and I'll take just like one more minute of your time, but when I was in that previous marriage um and there was a lot of control, I wanted a tattoo. I just did. I don't know why. I just wanted one and my previous Uh, spouse was just adamant, like, you will not get a tattoo. Um, I'll be super angry with you. Like there was a lot of control around like body and things like that. And so it took me about two years after my divorce to get to the point of where I thought like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And one of my best friends and her husband went with me and they both held my hands and we sketched it out. And then I said, I want to wear this all the time and it faces me. So it's like, it says she is fierce, but it's readable to me uh-huh. because the point isn't to show it to other people. Of course, they can read it too. But the point is for me to remind myself when I'm going through really hard things that I could just look down, like when I have my, my palms open, I'm like, you know, it's that I don't know what else to do. Right. And then I look right over to my right hand and it says she is fierce. Mm. And it just reminds me every day of what I'm really capable of. Right. I
2: love that. I, I, I'm not that brave. I might have to put a post-it here or something,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but I hurt. (laughs) hurt. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
2: Yes. I'm a punk, so I can't do that. But I I love the concept of being able to remind yourself of that. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Christine, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate everything that you shared. Let the audience know, like where can they stay connected with you? How can they find the Chris and Christine show?
0: Yeah. So the Chris and Christine show is streaming on any of your podcasting platforms. So we're on Apple podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and it's Chris and Christine with K's. And you can find us at Chris and Christine show.com. So it's K R I a K R I S and K R I S T I N E show.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the K2 show, San Diego and on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at, at Christine Shipman. Um, I, you'd find me anywhere. We're, we're all over the place. So Christine Shipman on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'd be happy to connect with any of you. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of my networking for my uh, consulting business, my coaching consulting.
2: Because fierce tears, fierce, oh, now I'm getting tongue twisted. Yep. Fierce, fierce tears. Fierce is different because the platform or the or the, the content of Chris and Christine is different from Fierce Tears. So let's it is. give them a little bit of a, a taste of how that's different.
0: In terms of the, the
2: Chris and Christine show, what do you focus on?
0: Oh yeah. So the Chris and Christine show, my fiance and I run a podcast and it's about life, love and hot topics. And we do interviews similar to this. Ours are all audio interviews. But we like to bring in people that have unique stories and just learn more about them. But we always talk about our journey through finding love after divorce because both my fiance and I went through some similar situations with overcoming infidelity in our past relationships and then learning how to heal together and and build a functional relationship for the first time of our lives in terms of a a romantic relationship. And so we talk about co-parenting and You know, it's lighthearted and fun, and also you learn something while you're listening. Our episodes are right around 55 minutes to an hour. You can stream them while you're doing your chores around the house, but we would love to connect with you over there.
2: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And as always, guys, if you missed any of that, it'll be in the comments, it'll be (laughs) in the show notes. Don't worry, I got you. (laughs) So again, Christine, thank you so much for being here. Guys, as always, thank you for being here. If you've missed any of the episodes, be sure to head over to our website, drericabydesign.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our By Design Digest so you stay up to date with what's going on, as well as get some great tips and tools and tricks on how to live your life by design. That's all we have for today. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys. With so many podcasts out in the world, you have a plethora of options. Take a chance with Too Many Captains, a movie podcast. Mixing comedy with an academic look at film and
0: Hollywood culture, this podcast is perfect for those looking for a fresh perspective. From deep dives into classic films, to debates on digital streaming versus physical media, and film discussions based on randomly chosen topics in our What Are We Talking About? segments, there's something to satisfy all your movie podcast cravings. So, if you're feeling lucky or feel the need for speed, grab your shaken martini or some fava beans and a nice chianti and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. For more content, visit amoviepodcast.com, find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions, and on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Too Many Captains, the jolliest bunch of podcasters this side of the Nuthouse.
1: That was amazing. You did such a great job, babe. And I love how you plugged the podcast, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I had so much fun on this episode. And what it brought up for me is really related to what you were saying at the beginning of our show today about your ability to take a break from overtime. And the way that I was raised, you know, I was r- raised in a very strong Christian household by a very strong, and I wouldn't say independent she is independent but um a very much provider oriented mother my dad is amazing my parents have been married over 50 years but growing up there was this section of the bible that we would read a lot and it was a chapter in proverbs called proverbs 31 have you ever heard of it
1: uh no but do do please go on
0: yeah so there's this section at the end of the chapter of proverbs 31 and it talks about a woman of noble character And describes her attributes, and one of the things that it talks about is that she rises early. She brings blessings to her husband that, um, because of her work and her support of him and who he is in his standing in the community, that it brings blessings on him and on their household, and that she brings only good to her family. Um, And so it just—it's a really beautiful passage. And reading it as I was growing up. It wasn't one of those things where it's like I have to check off all of these lists, but it it helped me know the kind of woman that I wanted to be in terms of a wife and a mother. And one of those things was to look at opportunities to bring—I don't want to say wealth, but to bring like a part, be a partner, and bring financial security to the household.
1: That is great. I I do appreciate that, and that's one of the reasons why I love you so much is because it. Uh, I can see that drive in you. I can see the get up and go in you. And I kind of have it too myself. You you didn't mention that in in the, in the interview, but it's um, one things that I think we're kind of attracted to each other for that very same reason that we have that motivation that a lot of people don't have. Like, like for me, during this whole time of COVID, I've been so busy doing stuff. We both been busy, obviously, with the house and the destruction around here, putting that back together, but also figuring out ways to to uh, help other people, like you did with your. What you said about your uh, business you're doing with your mm-hmm. colleagues,
0: right? And on, I mean, I guess I'll just end it at this that this part of the um, Proverbs 31, I actually have hanging here on the wall right next to where I'm sitting right now. And it says, she's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. And I just remember when I was a single mom and even in my prior relationship that you know, financial insecurity can bring so much fear for the future. Like, are we going to be able to pay our bills? And I don't want to make this all about money. But when you have... A number of different business opportunities, or you're trying to hustle in a good way. It does let you know that you know if you were to lose your job, you still have a, a plan B and C and D. And I promised myself when I was struggling financially as a single mom that I never wanted to get back to that place again.
1: Oh wow, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that, that that's one place that everybody seems to have, like the. The biggest focus about fighting, about struggling has got to be around finances, especially now in COVID, With a lot of people are not working. My sister's not working. I know that. And a lot of people aren't, so that they're depending on the government to help them out and things like that. But
0: Or they just, like I said, have fear for the future, like the what's going to happen next. And you know, we know that everybody is in a very different situation, and we don't mean to share any of our Background or what we're doing in any way to brag, but what we're trying to say is encouraging each and every one of you to look at opportunities and to think outside of the box. And whether it's engaging in some type of new business venture or, you know, turning that hobby of yours into a small business on Etsy or whatever, like there are ways that we can hustle and we can bring good to our families. Amen, sister. I love that so much.
1: And you are fantastic on that show today by the way
0: thank you and thank you all for listening and for kind of hearing my heart and thanks chris for letting us feature this really special interview to me on the show thank you all of you for listening and we will have you back here next week remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret
1: so love the people who treat you right forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason.
0: If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy.
1: They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris.
0: And I'm Christine. And until next week,
1: keep moving forward.